Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Oh, here we go on a Sunday. It's The Marcus Warren Show, the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region. I am your host, financial advisor and tax and road agent and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And normally, to the left of me, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. However, she is under the weather and not feeling well, so she is not here today. Get well, D. But we do have a special guest who will be here later to help out with uh, the emails and the mailbag. So that would be exciting. Anyway, remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything that you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be giving out our retirement rescue game plan, which is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports that are easy to read, under, uh, by the way, and you'll get access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can order that by going to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. You go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, so uh, today we are going to uh, talk a little bit about taxes. It may be a little tax heavy today, so let's get into Money Matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, 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 All right, so, you know, when we talk about risk, a lot of people think about market risk, which is the normal ebbs and flow uh, of the stock market. It goes up, it goes down, right? Uh, people think of interest rate risk, the fact that interest rates can go up at any time, and we've seen interest rates go up um, all, all of this year. And then, of course, there's inflation risk where uh, we've had a high inflation. Uh, luckily, it's been going down lately, but that's a risk. And these are all risks that can threaten a retirement a portfolio and income in retirement. But one of the risks that is all often overlooked, and I think it's one of the biggest risks, and that is tax rate risk. If you don't account for tax rate risk, it can have uh, some huge consequences on your retirement plan. And so uh, let's dig a little deep, deeper in this. So when, when we think about the old paradigm as it relates to taxes, what generally comes to mind is this. The first thing you hear is that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, right? Many of you have heard that from some financial expert or guru, right? And the reasoning goes like this, that you'll be living on less money in retirement, so your taxable income will be lower. And as a result, you'll be in a much lower tax bracket. And if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, then it only makes sense to invest the vast majority of your retirement dollars in tax-deferred accounts like 401ks and IRAs, right? Sound familiar? But that's the old level of thinking, the old paradigm. The new retirement paradigm says that in all actuality, that your tax bracket in retirement may be higher than it is today. Now, that may... That might be for a number of different reasons. Number one, you may need just as much income during your retirement years as you did during your working years. And if you're living on just as much money in, in, uh, in retirement uh, and you're potentially going to be in a higher tax bracket, then accumulating your money in these tax-deferred accounts, it may not always be the thing that mathematically pushes you further ahead. And then... One of the bigger things is that we found out that a lot of retirees, they lose many of the deductions in retirement that they'd experienced during their working years. Um, and th th this much we know, people. 
And we know that many of the deductions that you experience during your working years, they disappear when you need them the very most. And that is when you are retired. So let's talk about some of these deductions that goes away. All right. So the first one is really the first one is the number one source of deductions for the average American. And that's interest on your mortgage. It's so you so your home that typically goes away. Now, why is that? Because let me ask you this question. Is your home typically paid off by the time you reach retirement? Maybe. But if not, maybe you're 25 or 30 years, maybe you're 25 years into a 30-year retirement, I mean, 30-year mortgage, and so most of your payment of that is going towards principal. Another deduction that uh, tends to disappear is the deduction for your kids, right? And this used to be a really big deal because you used to get two uh, sources of tax savings uh, on your kids. You used to get a credit and you used to get an exemption, right? A credit, a tax credit is a dollar for dollar reduction in your tax bill. And that exemption is a dollar for dollar reduction in your taxable income. But when you're retired, are your children still living with you? Well, you hope not. But even if they are, they're just no longer deductible. And another, uh, a deduction that goes away is the deduction for your 401k or your company retirement plan because you're not working anymore, so you're not contributing to that retirement plan. And then the last uh, deduction that tends to disappear a little bit is charity. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we always say that, hey, once charitable, you're generally always charitable, but once you're retired, you tend to give more of what you have and you tend to give more time than money because now you're going to need that money in retirement. So that tends to go away. And unfortunately, the IRS does not let you deduct your time from your tax return, right? So is it possible that you could be in a higher tax bracket in retirement, even though you're living on less income? Absolutely it is. But let's do this. Let's, let's talk about the uh, brief, um, the, the, I'm sorry, the, the history of taxes. So the highest marginal tax bracket in the history of our country, the worst that it's ever been, was 94%. Our highest marginal tax bracket was 94%. 94% of people's incomes were basically taxed. Now, that was the last couple of years of World War II, 1944 and 45, right? And anything over $200,000 basically got taxed at that 94%, right? So it was a lot of money back then. But there was uh, an actor back in the day who made uh, that uh, amount of money, but he would um, stop making films once he hit that $200,000 threshold because he knew that the government would get um, 94% of that uh, if he made uh, over $200,000, right? And... Um, that actor, by the way, uh, if you don't know, that actor was Ronald Reagan. That's right. Ronald Reagan said, you know what? I am not going uh, to make over $200,000. I'm going to stop because I'm not going to let the government get that 94%. And, of course, he lived in California, and we know uh, who probably got that other 6%, right? You're absolutely right. I know what y'all are thinking. You're thinking, Nancy. Exactly. All right. Um, ter terrible joke. Sorry. Moving on. So, you know, when, when we think about today, I mean, even if you go back to the 1970s, the highest tax rate was 70%, right? 1980s, the highest tax uh, rate was 50%, right? And now we're talking 37%. I would dare to say that we're in the lowest uh, tax uh, environment that we've been in, at least in my lifetime right? They are historically low. But if you ask people, they always complain. They say that taxes are way too high, you know? And really, you don't have to go back very far in the history of our country to find tax rates that are easily double than what they are today, right? And so why am I talking about this, right? Why do we do tax planning in our office? Because the question I have for you is moving forward in time uh, in 2025 and beyond, do we think that tax rates, do you think that tax rates are going to be higher 
or lower than they are today. Now, for those of you who think that tax rates in the future are going to be higher, my question for you is why? Why do you think that? You're probably saying uh, our debt, our deficits, the government spending money like drunken sailors, right? True. Absolutely true. And out of what the government spends money on, uh, what are those big ticket items that could force tax rates to go up, right? You got Social Security, you got Medicare, you got Medicaid, you got defense, you got uh, interest on uh, the national debt, right? All these unfunded liabilities. And when you add up all the promises the government has made, they're over $250 trillion in the hole. Oh, and by the way, our national debt, $32 trillion and counting, right? And so the two, the, the, the two most expensive things that I listed out that will cause the debt to rise more than any of the other two are Social Security and Medicare. Those are our biggest expenses. But if you look at it from a different angle and you look at all the money that comes in from tax revenue, 78 cents of every dollar that comes into the U.S. Treasury goes to pay, it pays only for four things. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and interest on the national debt. Oh, and defense, that's, uh, that's getting up there too. Right. And as you baby boomers, as you march into retirement and onto the roles of these entitlement programs over the course of the next 10 years, you're probably going to stop putting money in Social Security and Medicare. And you're going to want to start doing what? Taking money out. And as you do, the cost of these four big ticket items will continue to just go up and up and up. And that is what we are going to talk about in the next segment. So after the break, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, taxes. We're going to have that special guest come in and talk about the mailbag. Uh, Talk about the mailbag. Give me uh, the questions uh, that we have in the mailbag, and we'll go from there. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, yeah. Good song here. So, of course, this song is Hit the Road Jack by the late, great Ray Charles. The song came out in 1961. Number one in the U.S., number six in the U.K., a great song. Yes. Anyway, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. And you will receive a fantastic packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net to get that game plan. All right, so um, last segment we were talking about um, how 78 cents of every dollar that flows into the U.S. Treasury uh, goes to pay, it pays for basically five things. Um, and that was Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, defense, and um, interest on the national debt, right? Um, and of those items, uh, the biggest ones were Medicare and Social Security. Um, and I really want to talk about Social Security real quick, because when you think of Social Security and when it was uh, created uh, back in 1935, August of 1935, um, uh, FDR was was president at the time. It all made sense, right? FDR sitting in the Oval Office, 
I'm, I'm imagining he's sitting in the Oval Office with this cabinet around, and they're trying to put their head together, trying to come up with some sort of social safety net uh, to help our aging population who is aging out of the workforce, right? And they're trying to come up with a program or something that could supplement their income while they're in their uh, retirement years. And I'm assuming that, you know, somebody on this cabinet will say the Treasury Secretary says, you know what, we have a pretty robust workforce, FDR. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it may be a, a good idea to have our current robust workforce we can have them pay, and the employers, we can have them pay into this trust fund while they're working. And then once they retire, then we'll have this accumulation of money that we can then dole out to them to supplement their retirement uh, their, through their retirement years. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's a fantastic idea, right? And uh, they kind of think a little bit harder, and they're like, all right. So we'll go ahead and do that. And it made sense at the time because for uh, every 42 workers that would be paying into the fund, there would only be one retiree, so to speak, pulling money uh, from uh, the Social Security Trust Fund. That all made sense. 42 workers paying in, only one getting the benefit. Made fantastic sense. So they're shaking their head. They're They're all in agreement. They're all happy. So the second thing they had to think about was, okay, what age will we set for the American people to be, a, to be available or, or to get the benefit. And uh, they put their heads together and they come up with, you know what, how about 65, the age of 65? And that was genius at the time. And the reason it was genius at the time is because life expectancy back in 1935 was 62. So they basically said, you know what, people are going to be paying into this, and they won't even live to get it. All makes sense. And if they do live till 65 when they start to claim the benefit, they'll probably kick off the two years later, and we'll be done. So it all made sense back then. So let's fast forward to today, right? So now, when we used to have 42 workers paying into the system for every one who was getting the benefit... Now, that number is three workers to one retiree, soon to be two to one, right? And so when we talk about the the full uh, benefit age, right? The full benefit age was 65 back then. It's a whopping 67 now. But the problem is we're living a lot longer. The average life expectancy for a man is about 78 woman. Uh, women live, you know, seven years longer, but the average life expectancy for a woman is, 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 is 80, 82, right? The idea of aging has changed now. What do they say now? They say uh, 70s, the new 60s, 60s, the new 50, whatever it may be, right? Right? Betty White, God rest her soul. She was 137 years old when she died, 137. No, I'm joking. She wasn't, but um, she was 99. She almost hit that three-digit mark. I can't remember. I think she died um, like right before she was about to turn 100. But anyway, I digress. But just think about this. Betty White died at 99. If she, I'm assuming that her full retirement age where she could have been collecting Social Security was probably 65. So if Betty White was collecting Social Security, she would have been collecting it for 34 years. 34 years. You see, the system wasn't built for that when it was built back in 1935. That is why now it's called social insecurity, right? If you read the headlines and you see some of the news, you see that, hey, by 2033, 2034, Social Security is only going to be able to pay 70 cents on the dollar if there are no changes made. And that scares people. What's really scary is by 2026, those four expenses that I talked about, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, interest on the national debt, oh, actually five, and uh, defense, it's going to take up 92 cents of all tax revenue that flows into the U.S. Treasury. 92 cents. That only leaves eight cents to pay for everything else. 
So what is everything else? I'll name some of the big ones. You got disaster relief, the IRS, the armed services, basic welfare programs, the Army, National Parks, the EPA, Center for Disease Control, the Cost of Running Congress, the FBI, the CIA. But you guys get it, right? So when 2025, 2026 rolls around, where do you think the government will go to find the money to pay all of their bills? Right. So what's the punchline? What's the moral of the story? It's really that if Congress does nothing, which they do a lot of, that's still a decision with consequences. Doing nothing will either result in huge cuts to government programs or a huge hike in taxes or some combination of the two. And this was all foreseeable. There was a, a gentleman named David Walker. Uh, David Walker was a, a comptroller general of the federal government for 10 years uh, under Bush and Clinton. Uh, he was head of the Government Accountability Office. He was on the Board of Social Security for seven years. He, I, I, I called him the CPA of the USA. And he knows more about the fiscal condition of Social Security and Medicare at the time than anyone in the planet. And back about 12 years ago, 12 to 13 years ago, he did an op-ed for CNN about the future of tax rates. And he basically said this, and this was, you know, almost 15 years ago. He said, regardless of what politicians tell you, any additional accumulations of debt are basically deferred tax increases. Unless we begin to get our fiscal house in order, there's simply no other way to handle our ever-mounting debt burdens except by doubling taxes over time. And he said that a long, long time ago. And so one solution to the um, you know, entitlement conundrum that has circulated over the years and just all the time now, you, you hear it, and it basically goes like this. If we could just raise taxes on the rich... That would solve all of our problems, right? They would just pay their fair share. Well, um, Forbes magazine, they wrote an article about this particular approach. And they said, the problem is, is that there are not enough high-income earners to satisfy today's debt and deficits. And that means that middle-income America will soon be in the scope of the congressional rifle because the poor have nothing to tax, and so the middle class will be forced to ante up. Mm, mm, mm. And when you think about it, uh, it reminds me of um, uh, Mitt Romney back in 2012 um, when he was um, uh, trying to campaign for president, and he had one of those fundraisers, um, <clears throat> you know, those $2,000-a-plate fundraisers, and um, uh, he basically said... Uh, during his uh, presentation, that he's not worried about 47% of folks because they don't pay taxes. He's only worried about the other people. And someone had one of them dang camera phones, and they got him on tape, and it went viral, and his campaign basically went down from there. The irony of the situation is that uh, Mitt was not um, mistaken when he said that, hey, there's 47% of people who, who pay taxes. He may have been wrong by saying he's not worried about them, but there are about 47% of people who don't pay any taxes, right? And, rem and that Forbes article basically said the poor have nothing to tax, right? So there's 47% of people who, who don't pay taxes. And you know who else really doesn't pay a lot of taxes? Uh, now you got the billionaires and you got the millionaires, right? You read it all the time, right? Bezos, uh, Gates. Heck, Warren Buffett says he's, he pays less in taxes than his secretary, percentage-wise. That's insane. And so that Forbes article was basically saying that, you know what? Uh, the problem is there's not enough high-income earners to satisfy today's debt and deficits. The poor have nothing to tax, and that means middle-income America will be in the scope of the congressional, uh, the, uh, congressional rifle, right? And so the middle class will be forced to ante up when these tax rates go up. By the way, I don't know if you all know right now, I, know I was talking about this low tax rate environment that we're in. Oh, those tax cuts expire. Those, these tax rates expire. And when do they expire? They expire at the end of 2025. So December 31st, 2025, we go back to what we were paying in taxes back in 2017. Paying a lot more. A lot more. And I'll explain how much we were paying in the next segment. 
going to talk about tax rates back in 2017. And uh, let me look at the time. And we'll uh, probably jump into uh, some tax buckets. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. stuff right here so this is the song is called wishing well it was by uh terrence trent darby he's changed his name he changed his name about 20 years ago but um i forgot what he changed it to um anyway the song was uh came out in 1987 number one in the u.s number four in the uk so huge song so great Good stuff. Anyway, uh, bring me back. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Once again, remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. And in that retirement rescue game plan, you'll get a copy of my two best-selling books, You'll also get uh, a few easy-to-read financial reports, and you'll get access to my webinar entitled Taxes and Retirement. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, warrenwealth.net. You'll go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge, by the way, to your front door. All right, so we were talking about uh, the fact that um, tax rates would have to double, um, at least that's what the former Comptroller General said, to satisfy today's debts, deficits, and unfunded liabilities. Uh, we talked about the fact that um, uh, there's uh, that middle-income America was going to have to basically foot the bill because there's not enough uh, millionaires and billionaires to, to tax and, uh, and make them pay their fair share. And, of course, um, you know, there's a, a contingent of the population that uh, doesn't pay taxes around 47 or so percent. And so, um, you know, that leaves middle-income America. And I wanted to really talk about tax rates and give you all some historical perspective on that once these tax rates expire, these current tax rates, the, the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the Trump tax cuts, once they expire, by the way, if you didn't know they expire, they expire December 31st, 2025, right? And then it reverts to back to what it was in 2017. So let's think about this. In 1980, the highest tax bracket was 70%. Today, in 2023, the highest tax bracket is 37%. So it's a whole lot lower today. Now, that 37% is on $600,000 of income, right? So I don't know if it affects you know, any, any listeners out here, but um, you know, it doesn't affect me, all right? Um, but in 1980, there was also a 37% tax bracket. But that was on incomes of $29,900. And you might say that that's not that that that's really not a lot of money, but remember it's 1980. A married couple, you know, two teachers in 1980 could have been making $15,000 each, $30,000 a year combined, and bam. Low middle income America then was paying 37%. <laughs> So how can we make that number relative for today, right? So you're like, wait a minute, that, that was back in the 80s. What's $29,900 now? Well, I'm glad you asked. If we inflate that number by our historical inflation rate, a little over 3%, um, that $29,900 in today's dollars would be about $101,000. So somebody making the equivalent of $100,000 in today's dollars would have been in a 37% tax bracket, right? Back then. 
But what about if you make $101,000 today? What tax bracket are you in? Well, minus uh, the standard deduction, you're in the 12% tax bracket. 12% tax bracket. And so, you know, if you all have been to one of my workshops, you may have heard this, if you've read one of my books, um, if you've seen me on TV or, or you, you listen on the radio, you know that I've been talking about this for the last five plus years, that we are in the lowest tax rate environment that we've seen in our lifetimes. The very lowest. And it gives us some opportunities. It gives you some options in regards to retirement planning. Now, like I said, if we go back to 2017, remember the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it reduced taxes beginning in 2018. Unfortunately, like I said, these tax cuts sunset or they expire at the end of 2025. That means they go back to what they were in 2017. So in 2017, if you made that same $101,000 after the standard deduction and exemptions, you are going to be in the 25% tax bracket. Double than what you're paying today. And in my opinion, I believe that it could, e it could even go a lot higher. Right? It could even go a lot higher. But why? Well, I outlined it in the last segment. And if you didn't listen to the last segment, the reason I think taxes are going to go higher is because they're the lowest they've been in a long, long time. They only have one way to go, and that's up. Our rising debts, our rising deficits, unfunded liabilities such as Social Security and Medicare. National debt is $32 trillion and counting. And one of the only ways to deal with that is by raising taxes. But right now, at this moment, they're low. And like I said, it gives you some opportunities and it gives you options in regards to retirement planning. But time is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. It is ticking. And so what can you do about it? And so, um, you know, what, what I generally talk about is the fact that um, all of the investments you have, whether... Um, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, annuities, whatever they are, ETFs, crypto, uh, Bitcoin, whatever it is, right? They all fit into three tax buckets. They all can fit into each of those three tax buckets, right? And um, these, these accounts or tax buckets, what I like to call them, are um, very important, especially in regards to retirement planning. And there are three tax buckets, and you have the taxable bucket, you have the tax-deferred bucket, and you have the tax-free bucket. Um, things that are in the taxable bucket, uh, the taxable bucket every year your money, as your money grows, regardless of if you take the money out or not, you get to pay the tax, right? You get that 1099 at the end of the year, and it says, hey, you made this amount of money this year, now you got to give some back to Uncle Sam. You are taxed every step of the way. The taxable bucket is what we also call the taxed now bucket. You are taxed now, right? Then you have the tax deferred bucket. And in the tax deferred bucket, you don't pay taxes um, as the money grows, when do you pay the tax? You pay the tax when you take that money out. You are absolutely right. Now, there are a lot of different things that can fit into that tax-deferred bucket. IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, SEP IRAs, pretty much your company retirement plans fit into that tax-deferred bucket, all right? Because in all of them, you get that tax deduction initially up front. Right, meaning that if you if you have a 401k, you make $100,000, you put $10,000 into your 401k, your new taxable income would be $90,000. So you get that tax deduction. The second thing, like I said, is that you don't pay tax along the way. You pay taxes when you pull it out, right? And upon distribution, you are taxed at what is called your ordinary income rates, right? And so basically when you have a 401k, all you really did was defer the receipt or, or, or a company retirement plan. All you are, all you're really doing is you defer the receipt of that payment until somewhere much further down the road. And when you take that money out, guess what tax rate you have to pay? Whatever it is at that time. 
right? Whatever it is at that time. And so if you uh, retired uh, in the last few years, you know, you retired into a pretty good tax bracket, right? Or you're pulling money out. It's really when you pull money out, you can retire, but if you don't pull money out, it doesn't matter. But if you're pulling money out now, you're in a fairly low tax, you know, tax bracket, so it might not be that bad, although we still complain because you still got to pay taxes, but it's not as bad as it could be. Or it's not as bad as it's going to be at the end of 2025. So going into 2026, what are you looking at? You're looking at higher taxes. Just like I said, you make $101,000 today, um, you're in the 12% bracket. You make $101,000 in 2026, you're in the 25% tax bracket. But right now you have opportunity. Right now we still have three more tax seasons before taxes go up. That last tax bucket is the tax-free bucket. Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, um, life insurance retirement plans, things of that nature, right? You have an opportunity. And what we've been doing in our office for our clients is we have been using these lower tax rates as an opportunity to shift money from that tax-deferred bucket into the tax-free bucket. Now, you still have to pay the tax, right? You're not getting away from Uncle Sam. But why not pay taxes on that money while taxes are on sale? They're at a discount because we know they're reverted back to what they were once they expire. So it might make sense for some to systematically and efficiently move money from that tax-deferred bucket to the tax-free bucket right? Pay the tax right now at the lower rate. Once your money is positioned in in that tax-free bucket, whether it's a Roth or whatever it is, now if tax rates double, if they go up, they're already going to revert back to what they were in 2017. You don't have to worry about it because you've already paid tax at the lower rate. It might make sense. And that is why I always say, if you don't take tax rate risk into account when you're in retirement, you can find yourself having some issues, right? Because tax rate risk is real. And by the way, if you don't have a tax plan in your retirement plan or a tax strategy, then you don't have a full retirement plan. You need to work with someone who knows what's going on. Someone who's uh, tax, who knows about taxes, but also knows about retirement planning. Oh, who could that be? Yes, you're listening to him right now, right? We do it in-house. I'm a tax enrolled agent financial planner. The left hand knows what the right hand's doing. When we're thinking about a distribution strategy, we're thinking about taxes. When we're thinking about a retirement and uh, an investment strategy, we're thinking about taxes all in one house. We're not outsourcing it out to someone, right? We know what's going on here in this office, right? So you need to think about that. Think about uh, if you have that tax strategy. If you don't, you always can go to warrenwealth.net and you can set up a time to, to meet with us, but we will be here. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to open the mailbag, and we have that uh, special guest for you all. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, yeah. This song... Uh, Brings me back. Now this is new edition, and this song came out in 1983. It was a top 50 hit in the U.S., which is surprising, but it was number one in the U.K. And new edition, a boy band from back in the day. They're still together, by the way. 40 years later. That might be 50, not 40 years later. Not too bad. Not too bad. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can still request your retirement rescue game plan, which is a physical packet of information that is mailed to your front door. It includes a copy of my two books, easy to read financial reports and access to my webinar entitled taxes in retirement. Remember all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net and he will get that retirement rescue game plan. All right. I've been saying that uh, it's email time and 
I have a uh, special guest that I've been talking about uh, since D is out, and that special guest is London Warren, my 14-year-old daughter. Say hello, London. Hey, guys. Yeah, so we are going to jump into the emails, and she is going to read them for me, so let's get with it. Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. Hey, listeners, don't forget if you have a question for Marcus, you can, you can visit warrenwealth.net. Click on the Ask Marcus button, send us your question and name, and we will answer it on the show. Again, go to warrenwealth.net, click on the Ask Marcus button, and send us your question. Okay, so the first email is from Kim from Louisville, and she's asking that she retired last year, and it's going to be her first time filing taxes in retirement. She's wondering how will like she have to pay taxes and she's also wondering if she'll get tax form from social security and her IRA to file. Very good job on that first read. I think that was really good. Um, all right. So um, she's going to be filing taxes in retirement for the first time. And that's a, that's a good question, Kim, because um, you just have to understand that once you retire, taxes do not stop. And so um, uh, you said you filed for Social Security, so you will get uh, what's called a 1099. A matter of fact, it'll be 1099. Uh, 1099s will be mailed uh, to your mailbox all through retirement. So you'll get the 1099 SSA, which is uh, your Social Security uh, tax form. Um, uh, you, you'll probably be withholding taxes from uh, your Social Security and you need to make sure that um, uh, you are withholding enough taxes so you don't have to pay at the end of the year. And then you talked about your IRA. You're going to have a 1099-R that you get from uh, that IRA provider, which will say, hey, this is how much you took out. This is how much you withheld in taxes. And then that's what you would take to your tax preparer. They will file your taxes uh, with um, the IRS. Now, Let's talk about taxes a little bit because that is what we've been talking about all, uh, all this show. So one of the things that retirees have to understand is that there is the old paradigm of thinking that you're going to be paying less than taxes once you retire, right? They say, hey, you are going to live on less and so thus you'll be in a lower tax bracket. Now, who wants to live off less? From my experiences with my clients and my retirees, the bottom line is this they still want that same standard of living. If they were making $100,000 uh, while they were working, they don't all of a sudden want to live on $50,000 since they retired. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, sometimes expenses go up because you're in the retirement honeymoon, the go-go years. When you just retired, you want to travel and do all the things that you couldn't do while you were working. And so that is what, and, and so that is what you uh, tend, to, tend to move towards. Now, because of that, uh, a lot of retirees find themselves in the same, paying the same amount of taxes or even a little more taxes uh, as they're in retirement. Plus, I talked about these tax cuts are, are going to expire and we're going to be in a higher tax bracket, so you may still be paying taxes. But, Kim, to answer your question, yes, you'll get tax forms. And when you get those tax forms, just take them to your tax preparer and they should be able to help you out. All right, what else we got? Okay, so this question is from Dawn who lives in Hodgenville, and she's asking, and she's saying that she's had to start taking care of her mom and her mother-in-law recently, and both of them are in their late 80s to early 90s, and it got her thinking about long-term care insurance for herself and her husband. And she's asking what the best way to go about this is. All right, Dawn, you, uh, you are in that, that, uh, that sandwich uh, generation where um, a lot of baby boomers um, that they, they'll have kids that are either in college have graduated or, or back uh, in the house or around still, still taking care of them. And then they'll have uh, their parents who are aging and uh, they have to take care of, and they're kind of in the middle, thus the sandwich uh, generation. And so you're asking about long-term care insurance, which is uh, very important. And I'm glad you're thinking about it now. Um, and so, Really, there's, there, there's a couple of different options. One is just the traditional long-term care uh, insurance where, you know, you uh, pay um, for traditional long-term care. And if you never have to go into a long-term care facility, 
uh, then that money's gone. Kind of like car insurance. If you, you know, you pay, 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 if you're never in a wreck, you never get that money back. Same with homeowner's insurance. Um, and a lot of people don't like the idea that, hey, I'm going to pay, pay, pay. I may die peacefully in my sleep, never needing long-term care, and that money's just gone. Insurance companies have come up with a hybrid where it's really based on life insurance, but it has a long-term care option, meaning that, um, you know, if you continue to pay, 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 uh, if you have to go into a long-term care facility, even though it's life insurance, there's a portion of it that they will send to pay for long-term care. But if you happen to never need long-term care, then at least someone will be getting some sort of death benefit. So you may want to look into that. Um, also, with that hybrid uh, policy, um, it's a lot easier to get approved because, like I said, it's life insurance-based. And uh, there are, and, and then if you have to go into a long-term care facility, um, they just basically send you the money. You don't have to pay first and then send, uh, and then send the receipts to the long-term care company uh, as you do with traditional long-term care. So you may want to look into that traditional, um, um, may want to look into the hybrid policy versus the uh, traditional. If you need assistance, you can just go to warrenwealth.net and you can schedule a 15-minute phone call with me and I can help you out. All righty. What else we got, London? Okay, so this question's from Betty in Louisville, and she's saying that she wants to invest money on behalf of her five-year-old grandson now, so then by the time he's older, he can have a head start in investing. And she wants to, or she knows that there are 529s for college expenses, but she's out, she's also wondering if there are any other options that are, like, more flexible. All right. Um, thank you uh, for the question, Betty. Um, so couple of things. All right, so you got a five-year-old gra- grandson, and uh, you want him to have a head start in investing, but you're talking about 529 plans of college expenses. Um, you can still do a 529 plan. Um, you know, those are out there um, for education expenses. Um, and you can use 529 plans for uh, secondary education also. There are also uh, Coverdale uh, plans, uh, Coverdale education savings accounts. Um, they have a little more investment flexibility that is uh, superior to the 529 plan. Uh, a lot of times they're lower cost, um, but uh, generally uh, it's used for elementary and secondary school costs. So if you want to use that uh, for, for um, those uh, elementary and secondary school costs, then you might uh, want to do that. Uh, there are limits on uh, how much you can contribute each year uh, to a Coverdale, which is $2,000 a year. Uh, 529 plan, there, there is no, uh, there really is no uh, limit. Um, you know, there, there's a limit up to the annual exclusion amount for, but that's like $350,000, so you really don't have to worry about that. Um, there's, uh, uh, for the Coverdale uh, uh, savings account, um, uh, you have to make less than 110000 if you're single, or uh, if you're a couple of 220, um, don't know if that, that'll be an issue, but a 529 plan, there are no income restrictions. So think about that. Um, the only thing with the Coverdale is that when you name that beneficiary, uh, generally you cannot change that beneficiary. So if you have that, if your five-year-old grandson at the end doesn't uh, uh, want to go to college, um, then that money's still there. You can't change beneficiaries and... Um, all that money needs to be taken out by the time um, uh, he reaches 30. 529 plan, if that um, uh, beneficiary or if your grandson does not want to go to college or, or, or anything like that, then you can actually change that beneficiary. And if you have a granddaughter or another grandson, you can change it if they're going to go to college. So uh, those are some of the options. If you need uh, more assistance, more help, um, you can always go to uh, warrenwealth.net and uh, schedule that 15-minute quick phone call, and I can uh, finish it up. All right, I think we got time for one more. Uh, let's do it. Okay, this last question is from Patty in Louisville, and she, like, she's asking, how did I know when it's the right time to collect Social Security benefits? And she's heard of friends who have waited to take it at 62, but then others who wait until 70, and she's asking what's the point of waiting, and she doesn't want to miss out. So is she missing out? Um, no. Um. Well, it really depends. So with Social Security, uh, you can take it as early as 62. 
Uh, you can take it at full retirement age, which is generally 66 for uh, some folks, or you can wait and take it at 70. Uh, if you take it at 62, uh, then you're only going to get 70 cents on the dollar. You're not going to get the full benefit. If you wait till full retirement age, uh, you'll get the hundred. You'll get 100 percent of the benefit. Uh, if you wait till 70, uh, you'll get about 132 percent of the benefit. So it really depends. If you need the money, if you need it now, take it. Um, uh, you can't. Uh, you know, if you have expenses you need to pay, you know, you got to pay it. Um, if you have a family health history of living into your nineties or one hundreds, then maybe you do wait a little bit so you can get that added extra benefit. Um, I do know though that when people take it at full retirement age, or if they even take it early, um, that, uh, by the time, uh, it would have been, they would have been better off taking it at 70 and getting the enhanced benefit. You're generally into your mid eighties. So, uh, we can do those calculations and, and give you the right time, uh, Patty, as far as when to take, uh, social security, um, uh, when you can, you know, when's the best time to take it, when, uh, can you get the most out of it? Uh, just go to warrenwealth.net and uh, we can walk you through that uh, if you like and if you choose. First of all, I want to thank London, my daughter London, for filling in today. She did a fantastic job. I really, really appreciate it. And, of course, we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week. And most importantly, take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.